Amen and amen. I appreciate the songs that were selected as well as the way in which we all uh, follow the lead of our brother in worship unto God in song. It's something that can penetrate our emotions uh, like the Word of God as those poetic notes and words based on God's Word should strike us. Appreciate your love for truth and your interest in truth. You are an encouragement to me. This is what God wants. is for His people to come together into one place on the first day of the week to worship the God of heaven in spirit and truth. Please be turning to Luke, the second chapter, if you will. And we would like to start there in our lesson this morning about Christ and how Jesus is missing in the lives of some people. And there are different reasons that Jesus may be missing in the lives of various people, and hopefully we will gain from the comments that are made. I'm human and make mistakes. I hate to make a mistake. Many of you know that. But... We don't want to make mistakes, and what we have to do is defer to the Word of God. You're my friend. If you help me in anything that you think might be said that's incorrect, and bring that to my attention with love. We all have feelings, but at the same time, we need to teach and strive to be what God would have us be in spirit and in truth with great respect for God's Word. If you will, look down in Luke, the second chapter, as we begin our study, to verse 39. I'll read that and go through uh, verse 50 from the New King James Version. Luke 2, 39 to 50. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. As the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? They did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They left Jesus. Jesus didn't leave them. They were responsible for Jesus. <coughs> Jesus was fine. 
It can be the case with parents with children today in uh, busy department stores or at a football game or some crowded occasion that you turn around and you can't see your child. Now, there may be some logical things that you might try, like going to the toy section or whatever might be a favorite of that child. If there's an eating establishment or candy or popcorn or something nearby that you know is a favorite, maybe you go there. Maybe you immediately go to the counter and uh, inquire to use the PA system or for them too and, and to put out a search because a lot of people are carrying walkie-talkies and things now to communicate within stores of that size. If you've ever been in charge of a child and the child was lost for a moment, whether they went around the side of a house or whatever, you've experienced the heart just dropping. And in my case, an ache. The thoughts run through your mind of the worst that could be happening. Some of that being that cannot be undone if death were to occur during that period of loss. And then there is the joy and the relief that comes when the child is seen. And then in, upon inspection, the child is okay. Well, that's the physical, and that's very important. Our analogy is going to be in this lesson to people who think they are with Christ, but they're not. An adjustment needs to be made. They, they might not even begin to search because they already feel that they are with Christ and okay with God. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me or except by me or through me. Many of our religious friends in the world today that we may have some interaction with are in religious groups that do not believe that Jesus of Nazareth, that is a uh, known human figure in the history of the world, is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Paul didn't believe this at first. Saul of Tarsus, he did not believe it. He knew who Jesus of Nazareth was, but it's inferred he did not believe he was the Christ, the Messiah, because as a devout Jew and living in all good conscience, as Acts 23, 1 teaches about his life, he was going to do what the God of heaven wanted him to do to the best of his ability, not even to violate his conscience. And I admire that so much because there is such a thing as willful sin and many times we are guilty of willful sin. And all sin is against God and we need to make correction of all sin. But certainly when it's of ignorance and then we uncover the fact that we have been amiss in our life because we grow in the faith and learn a truth, in our case a New Testament truth, we have time to correct and apply the blood of Christ that we are forgiven. Oh, what a relief it is when we apply the blood of Jesus to our faults, mistakes, and our sins. This was a normal thing for the family of Jesus to do. To go with some uninspired historians, it might be said that the women would travel in the front of a familial group and the children would be in the middle and the fathers and the men would be in the back and obviously there was some journey 
And a lot of assumptions were taking place. They got to Jerusalem, fine. There's no indication there was a problem on the trip to Jerusalem. It was the return trip that some assumptions were made. So really, it is possible in addition to those like Saul of Tarsus, who did not think he needed to search for the Christ, but he was waiting for the Christ. The Christ had already come, and he was persecuting the church. But the parents of Jesus went, observed the feast, and came back and didn't realize they had departed and they lost Jesus. This can happen to those who become Christians. Sometimes willfully, Demas has said, after becoming a Christian, after being mentioned, I believe historically, in a timeline that he was faithful, and then he departed having loved this present world. So he believed, he was a true convert, he found Jesus, he was living right, and then he left Jesus for the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eye or the pride of life, for sin or a combination thereof, as that's what sin is, is to be drawn away from God's Word and what we should do. Joseph and Mary left not willfully, as I think Demas probably did. But of ignorance, they thought, the passage uses in the New King James, they did not know it, that he wasn't lingering in Jerusalem. The next verse says, but supposing, there's some suppositions that people have about being in Christ and being with Christ and being in the way. Translations I have initial capitalized that way, the W on that. We need to be in the way. We need to be in Christ. And we don't need to be supposing, but we need to be checking and discerning as we grow with the perfect law of liberty, not to exclude that which we learned, Romans 15, 4, from the Old Testament. We need the entire Bible. It's to our salvation's benefit. But our covenant that we follow today is the new covenant and we do not need to suppose, we do not need to guess, but rather we need to know as best we can know. When someone finds out that they're not with Christ or they've been with Christ and then they're not with Christ, they need to do what Jesus' parents did. Can you imagine? I don't know. We're not told. Did they sleep at night? Did they keep looking? Were they totally exhausted? There were several days that are mentioned there. It was after three days that they found him in the temple. What a relief that must have been. And then not to understand about his business. That's a lesson maybe for another time or discussion on a Friday night. Naaman would not obey in 2 Kings 5. A king. Because he was given a solution to leprosy and he didn't like what he heard. But it was the solution. And it was go and wash seven times River Jordan. And yes, from a cleanliness standpoint, he may have had rivers that were crystal clear where you could look through the water and see the top of your feet. But God said, if you want to get rid of that leprosy, it's go dip or wash seven times River Jordan. And finally, after he got through being mad, 
He submitted to the will of God, and that's a great example for us, not the getting mad part, but the fact that he didn't stay mad and stay away from the remedy that God gave him. We need God's remedy. There's childish thinking mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13 that Paul mentions by inspiration. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. So we're not going to have mature thinking the day we come out of the watery grave of baptism, but we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe that's 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. Check that. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. God expects growth, Hebrews 5, as we've mentioned many times from this pulpit. Do we make assumptions today? Do we test our faith to see whether we're in the Lord? When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, to the saints, he said for them to test their faith to prove that they were in the will of God. We need to check ourselves in the mirror of us, giving it to us, James 1. And when we look into the mirror, discerning properly, we see what manner of men and women we are before God, and we need to look for the imperfections. I want to compliment Sherry Townsend and her work on the bulletin. Hope I don't embarrass her right now, but having been a printer and a proofreader since I was able to read because of a printing press in our house, and then later taking on a career in printing and graphics. It could be the case that I'm considered a nitpicker because every menu I pick up, every web page that I go to, in addition to trying to get the content for what I want to eat off the menu, I'm looking to see if stuff's lined up straight and uh, using little tactics of reading backwards to see if things are spelled wrong or crooked or left off. Uh, steak for $2.22 because the printer accidentally didn't get the 20 in front, and so it's really $22.22. After you print all the menus on a high-quality piece of paper and you set up all the printing presses and the folders and everything to get it just right, and you have one little letter or number that's wrong or one punctuation mark a decimal in the wrong place can ruin the whole job. Well, that kind of attention to detail we might want to apply to our soul's salvation. So I need to be as careful as I can be to do things well, to give of myself to the Master, to try to help others, but I have to look at myself before I start going out and trying to help others. We need to get the log out of our own eye before we go seeking to get the speck or the moat out of our brother or sister's eye and have the spirit of Christ in love when we try to follow Galatians 6 verses 1 and following about bringing those who have stepped into sin back to the fold. Those traveling the vain worship road are not following the commandments of God, but they're following the commandments of men. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 15 and verse 9, But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. 
So we've got the commandments of men, we've got the commandments of God. We need to learn to discern. And that means we need to have an open mind, an open heart that's receptive. And it's not what I want the position to be on whatever subject I'm studying. It's what does God want me to do. And then if I have the attitude, I want to do it for God, and I want to do it for my soul, we'll have a very good chance at success. They found Jesus because they did not stop searching. All of our life, and I believe that those here who, who are members of the church are those that have had their sins removed, that it's genuine conversions, God knows, and that as we walk in Christ, we should continue to keep the book open. That we should test and retest our convictions and understandings because there are still differences of thought and understanding among honest people in the body of Christ. I believe the devil loves it when we close the book and says, I've got my position, I know my position, I can defend it, and we become a little haughty or arrogant. Now, we need to be convicted when we believe something. We need to be willing to be able to contend for the faith, Jude 3, earnestly. We need to make sure that we visit and revisit in case we be wrong. And there's nothing more admirable than a person who's held a position for many, many years to study their way into truth. It shows a desire to want to be right with God and a willingness to flex. Oh, we don't want to be tossed to and fro with every wind and doctrine. I'm not talking about that at all. That's a different person. But I'm talking about being willing to be open-minded, to be able to close the mouth in order to listen. God gave us two ears and one mouth. I love the illustrations that come from that statement. It takes time to do a careful search of the Word of God and to open our heart and to honestly and objectively lay ourselves bare to what God wants us to do and how much He wants of us. As we continue to grow in, in the content that I've been hearing in the Bible classes, it is such, and we're being stimulated and exhorted to do more for the Master. The congregation here has made decisions to do more for the Master. I don't believe the devil likes that. The devil will want to throw firebrands into the situation and get a lot of dust-ups. And if the devil can't do it with topics A through B, uh, he might be over here just doing it with personality differences. Any way he can get some commotion or some fire started to where we're more concerned about something that's over here than doing the Father's business. Jesus was doing the Father's business. That means there's something that we should be doing that's in alignment with what Jesus did for us and left us in His will and with the Holy Spirit's coming, as was mentioned in John 14, 15, and 16, they were guided into all truth. We have it now and we can do what we can to live right with God and among faithful brethren, inviting others to be a part of the faith in Christ Jesus. Quickly, there are those who suppose Jesus is with them in these categories, and you may think of others. Those that want to be physically of Abraham's seed. 
those that take a genealogy approach to where they want to be in Orthodox Judaism. For example, Matthew 3, 9, the Bible says, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration as recorded in Matthew 17. Some pretty influential, powerful figures from the past, Moses and Elijah, were there. And Jesus transfigured before those who were there to observe. Jesus took priority at that point. And as great and wonderful as the things right that Moses did, and that Elijah did, it still doesn't measure up to what Jesus did for mankind. Concerning our worship, vain repetition. There are those that have wrote R-O-T-E prayers that are said over and over. And sometimes when uh, attempting to get forgiveness of sin, they may be given a prescription by an uninspired person that says, give me five Hail Marys and give me ten Our Fathers. And that's a remedy for sin. Is that what the Bible teaches? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 7, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. If we say it once and we mean it as a Christian to our Father in heaven, in repenting and confessing and then praying for the forgiveness of sins, do we have to say a second prayer to ask God forgiveness for that same sin? Wouldn't that be like telling someone that if they had been properly immersed after understanding that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that He died for their sins and they're willing to confess with the mouth that Jesus is Christ, they believe with their heart, willing to repent of their sins and be immersed for the forgiveness of sins into the body of Christ. The baptism, the water baptism of the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, 18-20. Then when they came up, well, we're going to have to, you know, do two more of those, or three more of those. Why wouldn't they be forgiven of all of their sins in that first obedience? In self-confidence, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, we mentioned in the beginning of the lesson, haughty spirits. There is a continual need for all Christians to hear the word humility and apply it to their life and check ourselves to make sure that we are not arrogant before the world or before our brethren or before God. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Galatians 6, verse 3, For if a man think himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. If we're an humble servant of Christ just trying to get God to smile and be happy with what we're doing, that it might even be said that that day we were a friend to God, like Abraham was called a friend of God. God knows. And God cares on an individual basis. And we shouldn't put ourselves so far away. And I know the, the faith of Abraham and those mentioned in Hebrews 11 was great. But don't forget they were human too. And therefore we can have a great faith. But we'll have to apply ourselves in order to have a great faith. It doesn't does come in a little pill and you take the pill and then you have a great faith. It takes effort to follow Christ.
and it's worth the effort because the cost is too great to not make the effort. If we assume and we suppose that Jesus is with us today and we're not opening God's Word and checking and helping one another, how can we be confident that we're making progress in walking with God, walking in the light, and being closer? We know what the Bible says about light and dark, especially in the Gospel according to John's account, both in the book of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. The contrast is great between light and darkness. I don't see the word gray um, there. There's some things that I study and that I wonder about, and they seem to be areas of gray. I'm not saying there aren't some areas of judgment. I'm just saying that we want to be in the light and we want to do our best. If there is doubt, do we want to take the unquestionably safe course? Well, we want to walk by faith and not by sight. We want to learn what the truth is. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. So we can't put it off that we'll just take the most conservative view on everything and therefore that's our... No, that doesn't work in all cases because we'll come up with the wrong answer in some regard. Some think that Jesus is with their family today and because their family members go to church, they'll be okay whether they do or don't. You know, like the, if most of our family gets in, we're religious people. I was raised in the church. Well, when's the last time you've been to worship God in an assembly of the Lord's people? People's crickets start happening and the people looking at the, at the shoes take place. Or my grandfather's a preacher. My grandmother was always reading the Bible. We need to be careful that we retrace our religious steps and our views. We re-examine our conversion and our religious foundation is questioned for our soul's salvation. Not to be fearful. That's a sin over in Revelation 21.8 along with a lot of other things. The unbelieving and all the sins that are listed there. We do not want to be chicken littles. The sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We need to have confidence, so much so that we can approach the throne of God as a child of God, boldly in prayer, begging for things that God says He'll give us. But we have to ask in order to get some of the things that we need spiritually. I hope these thoughts have spurred some other thinking in your mind about how we can help ourselves and help our brothers and sisters in Christ and those that we might have an influence on that are not members of the body of Christ. If you're here today and you're subject to the gospel call in any way, if you have wandered from Christ, if you've let Him get a little out of your sight or if you've gone around the corner because of something that needs to be corrected, we'll be more than happy to help. And there may be a time when we're asking for your help in not return to be even, but because we're in the family of God as concerned brothers and sisters in the family of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love, number 326. It sums up a lot. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's a combination of faith and action. It's an active faith that's found in all of the pages of the Bible that are that is faith 
that God approves of, trust, but then we have to do the follow-through and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If we can help you or assist you, please let it be known and come to the front. While together we stand and sing the song that's been selected.